Hello, everyone. This is Tijan Jenko. I am here with Marta Regalado. This is Coaching with Mastery and Elegance with Tijan Jenko. In today's podcast, we are going to talk about belonging. Hi, Marta. Welcome. Thank you so much, Tijan. How are you? I'm doing well. And you? I am doing very well. Thank you for asking. And I am excited to talk about belonging. I really like this subject and I think it's so important, you know, um, especially now we've been through, so, you know, a few years of living in isolation and, and belonging has really come to the forefront and the importance of it. So I'm excited for this conversation. Thank you for thinking about that as a topic for today. And you are right about that because in, in the culture, there are so many aspects worldwide. We are uh, understanding, realigning, and reassessing our values around belonging, not only because of COVID, but also because of diversity and inclusion aspects as well. And now that um, we're recording this on April 12, 2022, and there is also a conflict between Ukraine and, and Russia, and there is also belonging aspects around that. So there are so many ways that we can take this discussion and share our thoughts around. Yes, yes, agreed. And to get us started, I would love to hear from you how you define belonging. So often when I want to deeper understand a concept, I look at the etymology of the word. And it is it goes about being an extension of, being a part of. So then belonging then comes with our need, inherent need to be part of a particular thing, whether it is an organization, whether it is a country, whether it is a group of people, a thought form. Um, so that is the concept of being part of. That's how I describe. Okay. So being part of, and it sounds like a group, you know, it could be, you know, even your family, starting from your family, you know, a bigger group, an organization, your country. And you talked about the inherent need to belong. And I am curious where that need comes from. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So if you look at our existence in this plane, in this planet, <laughs> it is, and we use the description of human being. So in order for us to be, that means that we need to relate to something to understand what is us and what is not us. And in that understanding, we are experiencing our beingness in this planet. So in order for us to understand, and this is a relational planet, we understand and learn things and grow from things by relating to different um, 
experiences, whether in order for us to deeply understand what we are internally, we are relating our interior or higher levels of consciousness. And for our understanding, our capacity, we are relating externally to an organization, to a group of people, to a football team, to a thought form, like a religious thought, to something so that we are able to experience ourselves and allow somebody else to experience us. For example, for us to understand whether our words are, we are capable of choosing kind words, we need to express them out. They need to land on someone. They need to interpret and give us a feedback. Oh, that was too harsh, what you just said to me. Oh, that was beautiful, what you said to me. From that relationship, we understand. And therefore, our need to belong is an inherent need based on this divine design in this planet so that we can learn and understand and appreciate what kind of being we are. Yeah. So I love that, you know, the, what you just said about that. And it's, there is a, a complexity to that. And it's so interesting how we, you know, there is a need for us to kind of experience ourselves through these connections and these relationships. And it's a form of self-expression almost. Correct. Self-expression and self-experiencing, right? We need to live through life, through the experiences to understand what it is that we do. Where do we have limits? Where do we don't have limits? Where are we good at? Where are we not good at? And so it's part of the self-expression. We need to have people to express them too or things that where we express and um, so that we can understand. And that starts very little, right? The young children often are calling their parents, hey, look at me, look at me, what I'm doing. We need to <laughs> do something and being observed by others, they both are inherent. Mm. So the doing and then having an observer. And I'm curious what happens when there is no observer? I know that, uh yeah, go ahead, please. You know, the absence of belonging can feel very, very isolating and can be very painful. In some cases that what I'm finding out that uh, deeper one's internal world and internal relationship gets to be, one then can, by via self-reflection, lessens their need to be externally observed. Mm -hmm. So externally expressed, the richer the inner world is, lesser the need, but there still is a need because this is the part of how we live here. Mm. So that's so interesting. So the richer your inner world, the less your need to express yourself you know, in an external way. 
So that's very, that's very interesting. Um, you know, and as we talk about this and, you know, the, the need to express ourselves, you know, externally, and also this kind of this like rich inner world that we also have the opportunity to cultivate, what would be the difference between belonging? Now we're talking about, you know, the external experience between belonging and fitting in. But they are very different uh, acts internally and externally because in the belonging, in the true self of concept of belonging, there is this harmonic resonance, sympathetic resonance that if you think about the singers that can sing in harmony, it's so beautiful, so moving that people instinctually know which tone to pick and how to speak and sing and go silent in that there is so much contribution, completion and complementary behavior in that. So that's the true sense of moving, expanding, belonging. But in fitting, there is a sense of safety gets to be quite important that um, one needs to feel safe to freely self-express. So in fitting, then there is a constant assessment about am I safe enough to be who I need to be or I have, do I need to confirm to be accepted, to be loved, to be appreciated. So there is a constant assessment, self-muting, self-alteration in the uh, concept of fitting. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think in fitting in, there is a need to, to compromise, you know, who you are and to maybe go get, go against your values where the need to belong or to be a part of something or to fit in, in this case is so strong because of that need, you know, for safety, that need to be part of something that there is this, um, this compromise that happens. And, and I think when someone is in that situation, it doesn't feel good. You feel it in your body and it feels, you don't feel, you know, you're not honoring yourself. So it doesn't feel like a true connection. Correct. You find yourself in a a form of a Mm self-betrayal and then you make connections from that space, which is going to be producing neediness in the relationship mm-hmm. and the belonging um, and it's going to be creating being on guard i've observed for years in the corporate experience that i had that the females often in the higher levels of positions they looked like men mm-hmm. and they obtained that posture 
in their languaging, in their hair styling, in their outfit choices. So the often needing to fit in comes with a lot of self-alteration. Yeah, a lot of sacrifices. And this self-betrayal is crushing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and from that sense, right, when you feel like some part of you is going to recognize, oh, I want to have long, curly, bubbly hair and wear. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we need to conform at some level to be part of the society, um, we mute our authenticity some level when mm-hmm. we are relating to other people, but there is a level of that. And when it is impacting a core part of your identity, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. going to be much more self-betraying than a lesser part of you, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, what if you do want to have your hair, you know, long and curly and bubbly, you know, when do you reach that point where you say, you know, you become aware that you're betraying yourself and it doesn't feel good and you want to be who you are? What, what happens in that, that shift? How does that begin to happen? There is often a recognition, whether it's in a coaching conversation or via self-reflection or via what's happening in the culture, because of what we observed around um, what was happening to the people with African descent in the United States last couple of years, for example, you start to observe that the females of the race started to let their hair to be as organic as it is, one starts to give them self a permission. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that dire situation pulls that out of you. Sometimes you come to your limit and say, how much longer do I have to take this? And sometimes you come to the level of self-reverence to say, oh, my goodness, this is my life. I need to experience myself in most most authentic way possible because that's why I came here on this earth to do. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to continue to honor myself. So it could be different situations creating the calling for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... So permission to be yourself. And like you mentioned, it, the situations are different that are going to give you that permission. It could be belonging to a group. It could be something more internal that's saying to you, to you, you know, this, it's your life. You know, you want to be who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this leads into my next question. But there's one more thing before the next question. And sometimes that is an establishment of a trust that also allows the person to freely self-express. That uh, sometimes people misunderstand, I cannot be me in this group. 
but then they see someone else doing it or they start to develop the trust and then slowly they become themselves. And this you'll see also in early stages in um, courtship or marriage. People, when they are dating, they act out differently and then they get married. <laughs> there is this trust and then all of a sudden they are doing things they never done before. And you yeah. wonder like, what is happening here? <laughs> what happened? Exactly, exactly. And that's so interesting, that establishment of trust that allows you to express yourself. And so just to, to talk a little bit about how I see belonging, I see belonging as a lot, being able to be yourself in a group that has your best interest in mind that is accepting and understanding and who also appreciates who you are. And I think it's incredible, like what that sense of belonging gives you. And just for me, just a quick little story as a coach, belonging to coaching communities, for example, being part of your uh, mentor coaching groups, being part of your coaching offerings and being in a very safe, understanding, and trusting environment has really given me a deep sense of belonging where I am able to go out in the world and take risks as a coach, for example, putting my work out there because I have kind of that safety and that sense of belonging that I get from, you know, these coaching communities. So I think that's, you know, it's such a huge benefit that I've seen for myself. And, you know, as we you know, this, this, this podcast is dedicated for other coaches, you know, I think it's, it's really important to find those coaching communities as well, you know, to, to find that sense of belonging. That's beautiful. Thank you for that share. And I appreciate to hear as a mentor that some of the environments that I was able to create, um, that was my intention uh, to mm -hmm. create and set out for new coaches to feel safe and, and be authentic to who they are so that they can invite others, right? Mm -hmm. As coaches, that's our role in a way to be invitational for others towards yeah. their authenticity. So that's wonderful to hear that. Mm, thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, of course. Um, so... I've always had a curiosity about this and I'm kind of curious, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Do we need to belong to ourselves before we can belong to a group or do we need to belong to a group such as our family, you know, from the time we're born before we can belong to ourselves? I think it is the both uh, as a young adult or young child, we are learning um, how to self-express from the people that are caretaking us and showing us that's the social cognitive behavioral aspect of that. For example, some religious uh, organizations, there is a form of confirmation. What is that? Now we are confirming you. 
you can be part of this group. So there are very formalized acts in there. And therefore, there is the social aspects that also being taught that what is okay. It's, it's in a way that uh, rules are set to belong to certain communities. In the corporate world, you have to be like this. In a religion, you need to be like that. In a country, you have to be like that so that you are not going to go to jail or being penalized. In a family, is the same thing. And, and yet, sometimes you feel like you are born into certain cultural formations but inside of you, you feel like, I don't belong here. This feels so foreign to me. What is this about? <laughs> and often that, the ugly duckling syndrome, then further uh, supports the individuals to reflect on that. Then where do I belong? If this is something that I feel like I don't belong to, where do I belong then? then you also start to understand different aspects of us, right? You, again, I'm going to give this examples of young couples. Some of the couples often look for their partner to fulfill every need, every need, their part of their belonging, whether it's their... Um, sensual exchange or their friendship or their whatever it is they expect one person to fulfill that's too much right mm -hmm. we need to understand what is it that i need to self-express oh i have an artistic part so where do i express that to where will i need to belong for that and oh i have a part that is a teacher where do i find my community for that? Where do I express myself as a coach? So it is really understanding different aspects of the personality and supporting that uh, different aspects of the personality to self-express. That So then there are multiple layers, right? Understanding what are the aspects of personality and what are their needs? And then also understand where do I belong by birth or by choice? And how much of my internal personality needs are matching with those things so that I can look for new tribe or not? Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, and I like this approach, which is so individualized. You know, there are, you know, groups that we belong to by birth, you know, our family, it could be possibly a religious group, it could be, you know, a bunch of different groups, but then we take in our personality, what is it that we want, what are we drawn to, like you use the example, you know, are we artistic, what is the community that we can choose to belong to, that feel that we belong to by choice, and I like how that really takes in, you know, a person, you know, your personality and your interests, and what really draws you in. Absolutely. And even when we confirm to the same group, the way we confirm to the same group, 
will be different. If you remember our conversations, since you brought up your uh, coaching and your self-expression around how other coaches um, are interacting with Instagram posts versus how you wanted to do it was different. Then you decided, yeah, I can actually interact with the same thing, but I can be me. Mm -hmm. I don't need to be like another person. So Mm -hmm. there is that aspect as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, that key of allowing yourself to be who you are. Absolutely. You know, yeah, Mm -hmm. go ahead. No, go on. It's, I feel lately that it's not so much a loving, but appreciating. Mm that um, who we are and supporting us because when we get into the position of allowing or non-allowing there is then the judgment and assessments and justifications and we get in much more internal troubles (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so speaking of that internal aspect how do we belong to ourselves I think then by not allowing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> by not relating to the concept of allowing, but seeking to understand and looking to appreciate and um, really uh, what I find often that when I am coaching, parts coaching, that the there are different aspects of the persons that come to the coaching conversation. And this often is like, oh, I am always doing this and I don't like this. And there is always this, this. So when you hear those cognitive language around always and never and things like that, there is then it's signaling me that there is a part of the personality in this human's energy system in their nervous system is not allowed to freely self-express. Now I'm getting into, again, neurologic aspects and somatic aspects of coaching. Um, So we need to then understand where is the restriction? Where is the muffling going on? And what is creating that muffling? Going back to your question around social aspect of this, how the culture forms our need to belonging. Sometimes it's also forms in a way that's um, automatically muffling. So we need to understand different aspects and then develop enough strengths to self-trust to be able to self-express. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is this trust, you know, that needs to be developed in order to be able to express ourselves, you know, especially when there is this, there's restriction, this muffling. Can you give us, a, you know, some examples? And I know you gave some examples last time when we talked about per- perfectionism, but how do you begin to demuffle? yourself 
singing from your uh, whole lungs, right? Um, I think it gets into the experiential behavior. So let's say that um, if we were to give the continuing the same example about your posts in Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. You can say, oh, what is the safest thing that is going to be okay for me to post? And it represents who I am as a coach. So you do one thing and then you let people observe you, experience you. That gives you feedback and you're like, oh, that was bad. I did it. We <laughs> and and then if there is an adjustment, you do that. So we're going into a little bit social cognitive theory. And, and then based on what you're responding, you also talked about my uh, safe environments that I create in my mentor sessions, right? I support and appreciate everybody to contribute. And that behavior also offers safety. You start developing, oh, I can actually say what I feel like as a coach and then hear a feedback in a loving way or, ah, that was not bad at all. And so you then extend along the way for that behavior. Mm -hmm. And when the response from the environment impacts you in a negative way, then it gets more into the muffling and restriction. So there is kind of, there's an expanding of your comfort zone or your safety zone, you know, depending on this kind of this feedback that you're receiving. Correct. In in the earlier parts of the self-development, and this is where I was saying inner your earlier, inner your um, richer your inner world is, then you will have less need to belong. Because in that case, you will go out and express yourself anyway, regardless of what others are thinking about you mm-hmm. or might think about you. Yeah. There will be less concern about who thinks what, but more value about the Mm self-experiencing. And how do you cultivate that rich inner life that allows for this deeper sense of belonging to yourself and thus to, to others? I think that requires value assessments often that comes with some level of traumatic experience in human life that let's say you're diagnosed with a terminal illness. What do you think is going to happen to your muscles? It becomes less important. Mm -hmm you're then, oh, I have this much life left. I'm going to go out and be who I want to be. And that's where we see that midlife crisis. They're not necessarily um, authentic behavior, but they were some level of suppressed behavior coming out without worrying about belonging. Mm So, um, but when one wants to cultivate with care, 
then one needs to sit down and understand again, what are, um, as I use this in my coaching conversation, the member of my executive committee <laughs> who sits inside of me and what do they want and what are my values and what are my learned values and how do I uh, align them currently with who I am now, with the strength that is in me now? I wonder how does that sit with you? So this, I'm thinking, I'm imagining, I'm picturing this executive committee. And, you know, it's a very, you know, this personif personification of these different parts of ourselves and what's most important for us and what we need. And I am picturing how this almost a sense of belonging within this executive committee. And that's really beautiful. And it feels very supportive. Absolutely. And that's what I do when I'm doing parts coaching, because often what I found that um, I call it inappropriate um, job allocation, that uh, let's say a part of you is an artist and that's given the role of CFO. <laughs> It's not going to work well. So the person's ability to understand and then give the appropriate role to what resides within is helpful. And then sometimes people find out that the artist was never invited to the board meeting. That mm. won't work either, right? They have to come and sit in a position that works. So I often teach to beginner coaches to make sure there is going to be a part of you who is very uh, scientific, understand how to plan, understand how to execute, engage that part of you in a coaching conversation to run the structure of the session, keep a time, keep an eye on the time. But then there is a part of you is timeless. Engage that part of you to relate to the client. So hope that is an example that was helpful. Yes. Yeah. So really knowing what these different parts of yourself are and also knowing when to, when to bring them out. And it sounds like allowing them all to be there, like in a very integrated way and being able to, yeah, to use the parts of you when needed. Yes. And that's also like an appropriation, right? Of the belonging in a way that is supportive of mm -hmm. the self-expression. Yeah. So we've discussed belonging to belonging to ourselves, belonging to a group. Um, and I'm curious about spiritual belonging in the sense of interconnectedness that we might feel, feeling connected to humanity. What do you think about that? I think that uh, when you talk about spiritual belonging, I often even go outside of this planet <laughs> to belong to whole existence, right? Um, from that energetic uh, aspect, 
then there is no uh, separation from the self and others. Of course, people verbalize that. Um, it's, it's in a way okay to say it, but how do you experience it? And we are experiencing it in a way that Princeton University has been doing some research and measuring um, certain things in the environment, collecting data. And then they found very high peaks right few days before 9-11. So people actually sensed something in the environment before it occurred. Mm -hmm. There is a part of us already knows, already feels, already aches for one another. Mm -hmm. And there is a part of us filters it out. And because of whatever reason, for example, for a person like you and I, highly sensitive, intuitive beings, maybe we need to do some filtering because the way we feel is too much mm -hmm. to handle. And sometimes that uh, people filter out because they have a mission. So they have to filter out and leave the, let's say, Hitler's behavior, right? He had to filter out any kind of connection to finish and accomplish the mission. So it could be in, in different ways that this could play it out. Again, um, but to understand that we are part of everything, it's not only humanity, um, looking at, for example, we call it development, that um, builders, they come and take the land and build this, that, the other thing, and we call it development. And as long as we call that, and it fits into our value of development, we are going to not necessarily think about the animals that are leaving have to leave their space in course of a development. So mm -hmm. sometimes our focus and the value structure is going to help us to connect to a group of existence and disconnect from others. Mm -hmm. So more we sit down and have a quiet time to reflect on interconnectivity of everything, then more we're going to appreciate, understand, and feel belong. I remember that before COVID, I was going out to the grocery store and I bought the produce. I was coming home and I said, oh, thank God I was able to find this. And then I started thanking internally to the grocery store's shopper that who purchased that to the people who work there, put them onto the shelf. Then I thought about um, the truck drivers were able to bring that to the store. Then I thought about the farmers, the beautiful farmers <laughs> were able to do it. Then I thought about earthworms. They <laughs> cultivated the um, soil. Then I thought about uh, my clients were able to appreciate my services that they gave me 
the income that I was able to do it. So there is no limit. <laughs> then you think about the rain, then you think about the rivers. So there is no end to it if you get into that sort of a chain. What do you think about that? Yes, I think it's beautiful, that interconnectedness. That, and when you think about it, which leads to gratitude and appreciation and a sense of comfort. I think as well, and a sense of peace, because I think there's a sense of shame and, and not belonging. Like, is there something wrong with me? And, and you can get stuck in that sense of shame and you can almost like a cognitive bias. You can be looking out whenever, you know, you're interacting, I don't belong. So you're trying to interact from that place. And when you look at it from this place of interconnectedness and wholeness, it's like this, it feels very expansive. You know, there's so much room for all of these, these things you were, you know, you were talking about, like the gratitude and the appreciation. So I think it's, it's really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I think that when one feels not connected inside, this gets to your question again, then their external expression is going to come from that place of less connection. And therefore, that's going to be the overtone or undertone in every relationship. It's going to come from place of not connected to the fully self versus when you are fully connected and feel appreciative about all the parts of you and who you are as a human being. It's those two energies are very different if you can appreciate that. And therefore, what they will do when they go out to connect are going to be very different. Yeah. Yeah, your ability, you show up in such a different way. And so your ability to connect is so different, depending on the energy, like you mentioned. Absolutely. And this is why that often when people change, as you know, I do deeply transformative coaching conversations. So I tell people, when you go through that, your relationships might change. How do you feel about that? Because when you change and you become to more holistic space within yourself, and if you had relationships that were established from a place of lastness or neediness, then you're going to not appreciate those relationships anymore. They're not going to be maintainable for you anymore because you don't resonate in that energy anymore. You're completely different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting how you do, you know, you bring this up in a coaching conversation and, and, and I'd be curious how, you know, the client reacts to this because it might be a little bit scary. Oh, what if these relationships you know, I have to shift out of them and create new relationships. So it's, it's, it's also, you know, it's very, very interesting. And um, so just for our last question, just shifting into a little bit more of, you know, the, the coaching role as I'm curious, as a coach, and you know, you, you do a lot of this, you facilitate a lot of groups. How do you create a sense of belonging among the group members? Thank you for that question. Um, before my sessions, whether it's in a group setting 
or um, individual setting, I set the space. And this is what I call it creating sacred space. We can provide the link to that blog in, uh, in the notes for this podcast. So I'm showing up like a conductor for the orchestra. And so that I can, within that space, I will support each of the member of the orchestra to sing their harmony in a beautiful way and perform their um, pieces in a beautiful way. So I create the space for them, resonate with that energy. I show up from that fullness so that the members already feel that energy and then they feel also okay as they self-express in that space um, with my responses. So they already feel belong in there. So um, those are the main things that I do. How clear was that to your question? Yeah, it sounds like Well, I hear that you're bringing in a little bit of what you talked about before, kind of that appreciation and showing up with that energy of fullness of, of kind of a, of of gratitude. And when we were talking about the interconnectedness, that's what I understood. So it's the energy that you bring from your sense of fullness and appreciation and being really open to other people's, you know, expression and giving them that feedback that encourages their expression. Exactly. Beautiful. So I cultivate the soil Mm. for, and I prepare the soil for their seeds to reside in and without changing what seeds they are. If they are a mint seed, they are a mint seed. If they are a rose, they are a rose. And I'll just cultivate and prepare the environment for them to be who they are. And then maybe I can point out, well, you are a rose and you're hanging out with the peppermint, just wondering how is that for you? So they figure out, oh, maybe I need to go next to the daisies, whatever it is. But I create that sort of nurturing environment beforehand yeah. and during the session. And it sounds like also reflecting back, you know, who they are to them, yes. what you see and kind of their essence, as, as yes. you like yes. to, as you like to say. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that, for that beautiful answer. And I have really enjoyed this conversation so much. And before we end, I would love to hear what is up, uh, what upcoming events you have that you would like to share. Thank you, Martha. I appreciate always our conversations and thank you for your beautiful questions. What I have coming up in this month, every Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern time, I am having coffee chats with uh, Jamie Jenkins from Lemon Rebellion 
around uh, five steps to resilience, my methodology towards resilience, we can also provide article and um, video for that to people Mm -hmm. and how to uh, apply neurologic uh, coaching to each step as we prepare someone for resilience. So those are on Instagram live, people can connect and find the information to sign up on my jencocoaching.com upcoming events. Um, They can sign up for mentor sessions for May. They can sign up for um, neurologic approach to coaching coming up training in June. And I have a talk that coming up end of April at the National Board Health and Wellness Coaching. I will be talking about holistic listening in my methodology. And there is also May 10, there is a gonna be two hour workshop, ICF uh, East Coast chapters, three chapters, Los Angeles, Washington and um, Orange County. Mm-hmm. hosting me to do a boot camp, <laughs> Jenko Method boot camp for the um, how to set agenda properly in a coaching conversation. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of coming up events and I hope to see people there. Yes. How exciting. They all sound like very, very exciting opportunities. And thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you so much, Marta. It's been wonderful to be with you as always. Likewise.